Hey, great to see everybody this morning. As he mentioned, um, today is our Thanksgiving service, so things are going to look just a, a little bit different this morning, but uh, we had just a great time together. Um, first hour, we just finished our series in the life of Solomon. Uh, next week, we're super excited to jump into Advent, um, and, and uh, that's just going to be a, a really incredible time. And so today, we want to set aside a time for Thanksgiving, and not only to learn about it, but also really to practice it, and to practice it as a church family. Um, So as you came in, you got some message notes. Um, You might want to grab those out. Um, We're going to jump into the Bible here in just a moment, so you want to have that handy. We're actually going to be in the book of Luke um, chapter 17. But before we get there, I got to tell you that by all accounts, the fall of 1863, the fall of 1863 was literally one of the low points in our nation's history. Uh, Of course, if you know, America was in the middle of a bloody civil war that Abraham Lincoln said about this war. He said uh, that this nation that's conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal may not even endure. Will it long endure even through this civil war? Lincoln asked. So casualties were mounting on both sides of the war. There was sickness everywhere. A lot of sickness at that time. Families were fractured. Industry was suffering, and the national mood was obviously just very tense and very heightened. And in the midst of that dark time, there was a woman who was wonderfully optimistic. And she was a determined woman. Her name was Sarah Josepha Hale. If you don't know about Sarah Hale, you need to know a little little bit about her. She was actually an editor of a small magazine at this time. And uh, she was probably most famous. She's the lady who wrote, Mary Had a Little Lamb. But this lady, who was a widow, uh, had it in her mind and just had a deep belief that our nation needed a day of national thanksgiving. At that time, people celebrated Thanksgiving, but different states did it at different times in different ways. And, and she believed that we needed one national day for our nation to come together, uh, together and to be thankful. And so for years, she had been writing in her magazine and sending letters to whoever the president was saying, we need this national day of Thanksgiving. And in 1863, Abraham Lincoln read her letter. And in the middle of that divided and violent time in our nation's history, Lincoln saw through to answer her request and declared a national day of thanksgiving. In Lincoln's Thanksgiving proclamation, if you've never read Abraham Lincoln's Thanksgiving proclamation, you should Google it, print it out, read it this Thanksgiving. It is awesome. And in this, though the world, though the, the nation was, was so divided, even at war, you find that, that there's no mention of rebels or enemies or revenge in Lincoln's uh, proclamation. What you have is a spirit of humility and gratitude. And what you get from Abraham Lincoln is this spirit of dependence, that we need to be a people that depend upon God. And so he starts this proclamation by talking about uh, many of the different blessings that America has received throughout the years, and even that year. But then he says this. He says, as he talks about the blessings, he says, no human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. In other words, it's not by human hands that our nation is blessed the way it is, says Abraham Lincoln. He says, no, they are gracious gifts of the most high God, who while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless reminded or remembered us with his mercy. 
He says, so it seemed fit to, it seemed to me fit and proper that these gracious gifts should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. He says, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And in 1863, a national day of thanksgiving was first declared, and that's when it was born. Ironically, it wasn't until 1941, when again our nation was right on the verge of war, that Thanksgiving became actually an official national holiday. And so this week, our nation, as it has for all those years, celebrates Thanksgiving. And I hope you are looking forward to it. Whatever your tradition is, I I hope that, that you love Thanksgiving as much as I love Thanksgiving. I can't wait. But as much as we love a day of Thanksgiving, kind of our premise this morning is that Christians, as God's people, we're called to celebrate that day of Thanksgiving, but we're called to much more than that. We're called to a lifestyle of gratitude. God's people, one of the marks of God's people is that we would be a thankful people. And you see this from the beginning to the end of Scripture. Time and time again, God's people are set aside, set apart as those that are thankful. So for instance, in the Psalms, it says, uh, whenever you come to worship, it says, uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, uh, give thanks to him, praise his name. All the way to the, uh, uh, the letters that, that Paul writes, who faced so much persecution and difficulty in his life, Paul still can write, in everything you do, in all circumstances, circumstances, be thankful. And so this morning, we want to set aside some time to be a thankful people. And just like in 1863, it would be very easy for us to focus on the negatives. This is a time in our nation's history where it would be easy to be discouraged. It would be easy to be defeated. It would be easy to be divisive and negative on those things. And yet God calls us in all circumstances to be thankful people. And we take serious what God says to us. And so we want to set aside uh, this time for a day of thanksgiving. And I want to just kind of set the stage by leading us through a a, a scripture in Luke chapter 17. So I encourage you to open your Bibles up to Luke 17. It's a great story. And let me just read that to us. And then we'll talk about kind of a pattern that we see there, not only for our day today, but really for our lives. And so uh, Luke 17, 11 Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to lay down his life. And Luke 17, 11 says this, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to the Samaritan, rise and go, your faith has made you well. 
And I don't know about you, but I've always loved that story for there's a number of different reasons why, why I love that story. I, I love that it's one of the places that the Samaritan is the surprising hero in the story. Often in, in the things that Jesus does, we're surprised who the, the people of faith are. And in this case, it's the, the Samaritan who was thought of to be a, a faithless person. And yet Jesus says he's the kind of the hero of the story. I also love that Jesus is willing to interact with the lepers, right? The lepers of that time were not only considered uh, medically unclean, but they were kind of the outcasts of society. They were the throwaways. Most people walked by the lepers and didn't stop to pay attention to them. And yet when these lepers call out to Jesus, Jesus turns his full attention to them. And I love that that Jesus doesn't pass by and he doesn't pass by uh, us. I love that when Jesus heals them, he says, go show yourselves to the priest. And after they go on their way, they are healed. And so you see this kind of cooperation between the faith of the people who said, yes, I'm going to step out and I'm going to go see the priest and Jesus is healing, miraculous healing. These things come together. But without a doubt, kind of the true and surprising point of this whole story, kind of the main thing that we should take away from it is that there were 10 people who had their lives extraordinarily changed. 10 people who went from being unclean outcasts to being cleansed and healed. And one of them comes back and says, thank you. And you wonder what happened to the other nine. Jesus asked that question, where's everybody else? You know, we don't know where the other nine are. You could kind of speculate. I was just thinking of a few different scenarios. Maybe, maybe they were kind of skeptical. Maybe they got healed and they thought they were kind of waiting to see, is it really going to last? Or, you know, maybe I was kind of being healed already. Maybe it wasn't Jesus. Maybe it was the priest. So they were just kind of skeptical and they didn't really believe that Jesus was doing those things. Maybe they were, were busy. Remember, they'd been outcasts for a while. And so once they were cleansed, they, they had friends to see, they had family to see, they had businesses to start, all these kind of things. So maybe they were, they were thankful in their heart, but they were just too busy to really do anything about it. Maybe they were entitled. They were just kind of that entitled feeling like, well, I don't know why I had leprosy to begin with. Now I'm finally getting what I deserve, right? I I earned this. I should be the one who gets this. And so they had this entitled. We don't know. But what we know is that nine out of 10 didn't come back. And the question of the story is, which one are you going to be? Are we going to be the, the one kind of thankful people? Are we going to be like the nine who just cruise through? As a church... We want to be that one. We want to be that 10% that says we recognize, God, that you are at work in our life. We can't always see it. We can't always discern. We don't always know what it is. But God, we know that you are at work. In fact, before we kind of just jump into the rest of the service, I want to point out in verses 15 and 16, there's kind of a pattern for a life of, of thankfulness. And in verses five, uh, 15 and 16, there's five verbs. Let me just draw your attention to them. It says, first of all, he saw, he saw that he was healed. And then he came back. And then he praised God in a loud voice. And then he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And last of all, he thanked him. And so I just want us to see kind of the pattern there. First of all, this man saw that he was healed. It started with just having his eyes opened up. And Jesus often says, blessed is the one who has ears to hear. Blessed is the one who has eyes to see. And this man was blessed because he had eyes to see that that God had done something in his life. And he didn't just cruise past it. He recognized it. And so if we're going to be people of thankfulness, 
we've got to step back and we've got to see and we've got to open our eyes and see the things that he has done. And so he saw that he was healed. But he doesn't just see it. It leads to an action. Once he realizes that he's been healed, it says that he came back. He was moved to do something about it. And so he came back and specifically he came back and it wasn't some like religious, you know, simple little thing. It says he came back and he praised God in a loud voice. He he didn't just whisper, thank you, Jesus. He shouted in a way that he was unashamed. This guy, because of what God had done for him, he didn't care who heard about it. And so in a loud voice, he praised God. And not only that, it says that he threw himself at Jesus's feet. It seems like kind of an undignified thing to do to just throw yourself at Jesus's feet. But can I ask you, when was the last time that you threw yourself at Jesus's feet? When's the last time you, you bowed down? And maybe it was bowed down in your heart, but... Literally, you got down. Because when you see who Jesus really is, that's the proper response. You see this throughout the Gospels. You think of Mary, the, the sister of Martha, and you know they're having their Thanksgiving meal, and Martha's around doing all the work, and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, and it says Mary's the one who chose the best part. Not that she didn't help with the, the, the stuff, but that she was making Jesus the priority. Or I think of the sinful woman who uh, comes and, and, and wets Jesus' feet with her tears and pours perfume on, her, on his feet. He th- she throws himself at Jesus' feet. Or after the resurrection, he appears to all the disciples, but Thomas isn't there. And so Thomas says, well, unless I, unless I see, I'm not going to believe. And Jesus allows him to reach out and touch his hands and touch his side. And what's the first thing that Thomas does? He throws himself at Jesus's feet. And he says, my Lord and my God. And he was thankful in those things. So he came back in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus's feet and he thanked him. He thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, which means this can happen to anyone doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter what you've been through, doesn't matter who you think you are, where you're from. Jesus is inviting anybody to turn to him with a heart of thanksgiving. And so as a church today, we're going to set aside this time and and we're going to be thankful. And so we're going to sing about that. We've got some testimonies uh, that we're going to hear. But for now, would you just bow your heads with me? And God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this story that reminds us what it means uh, to be people that are thankful. I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us would have this resolve in our heart that we would be the one, the one that is thankful. And Lord, we ask that you would work in this service. We thank you for each story, each life that we're going to hear from. And we pray, Lord, that, that you would work in us as a church, that we would be the people in the light that you would have have us to be right here in this community. Lord, we pray for those Thanksgiving boxes that are going out today, that they would be not only a blessing physically, but they would speak of your love into each and every family that's getting one of those today. So we love you and we give you this day in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. All right, church, let's stand and uh, respond back to God with his incredible thankfulness in our life. I love that. I, listen, I like Hobby Lobby as much as the next person, but come on, slow it down a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, we throw around those words a lot, though. Grateful, thankful, blessed. We, we just say them all the time, but how often do we actually sit back and reflect on how blessed we actually are, right? How often do we stop scrolling through Amazon to look around and realize all the things that we already have? How often do you stop and look at your spouse and think, man, am I lucky, right? I'm married up, uh, you know? How often do you, do you think about 
even just the job that you go to that maybe is a pain sometimes, but you think to yourself, I am so blessed to have a place where I can use my gifts and talents and make a living for my family. Like, we are really, really blessed. Would you agree with me that we're blessed people? I mean, I mean, think about this last year. Last year and where we are this year from last year. Think how much more blessed we are this year. And it's time that we reflect on those things that we're thankful for the actual blessings in our life. James 1.17 says this. Take a look and read it with me. Whatever is good and perfect is a what? It's a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. That God is a God of gifts and he gives us good gifts and blessings that we should be grateful for. We have a story to tell you today. I'm going to invite my friends, uh, Steve Plath and Karen and Chio and where are there they are hiding in the back. Very good. We're going to tell a story this morning about a blessing and really a story of how we respond to that kind of blessing. And so uh, this is Chio. And uh, you may not know everyone else, but they're going to introduce themselves. Uh, but I'm going to let my friend Steve Plath sort of set up this story this morning. Hi, good morning. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessing to be here today, and we are very thankful. And we've got a story to share about God's goodness in life. And, and so um, I'd like to set the stage, if I, if I may. And so it started, in, it started even before this, but this is where I came into the story, if you will. So we were in Phil and Bonnie Biddle's backyard. This was a couple years ago. There was a teen challenge event, um, a fundraising event in their backyard, and, uh, and it was about time to sit down and have dinner, and I was gravitating to find a place to sit, and then in the back, I saw Robin and her husband, Jason. I'm like, I know Robin and Jason. I've known them for years, and uh, so we started talking a little bit, and then we sat down, and as dinner proceeded to uh, you know, unfold, the conversations did as well, and I, and I leaned over, and I've known Chio for years. He's the same age as my oldest son, who's 25, 26 years old now. They went to high school together, etc. and I leaned over, and I said, hey, how's Chio doing? Because I knew that Chio was struggling, you know, and Robin said, he's really struggling. He's in a very dark place, and uh, at that very moment, God just absolutely just reached inside of me, and just, and I don't hear the audible voice of God. I don't, I can't claim that, but I can claim this, that something moved in me where God said, Steve, go find this young man, Go find him. And so I basically asked Robin, does Chio have a cell phone? Everybody does now. And he did. And so that began, began the journey. And I, I, I texted him initially. And I said, hey, Chio, this is Steve Plath. I don't know if you remember. Da, 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 da. I'd like, to, I'd like to, for us to get together. And Chio responded. And I'm thankful that he did because it began this beautiful journey. And so we're going to share that with you now. Um, and it was dinner time, and I was hungry. And the lifestyle that Chio was living, I knew that food wasn't a top priority in his life. So I went and got a pizza, you know, where you break bread. Jesus did a lot of that around the table, right? So I showed up with a, uh, you know, almost a full pie. I had a couple of slices, and I handed the <laughs> pie over to Chio in the car, and we started the conversation. And so I want to kind of hand that off to you now to share how, it's, uh, how it unfolded. Um, I am going to do my best not to cry the entire time. I don't think I'm going to do very good. Um, my life at that point was in a very deep, deep, dark place um, in kind of the underworld or the underbelly of Lodi, if you will. Um, I've been using meth for probably four or five years, and at this point I was intravenously using it. Um, Constantly stopped by the cops for, for questions about the fraud that had been going on. Um, if there was anything stolen out of your car from 2015 to 2020, there's a good chance I had something to do with it. 
And I've been in and out of jail for, for uh, I mean, all, all year, uh, for the past five years. And um, I just couldn't get it together. And so one day, Steve showed up in my house on the east side, in a little alleyway on the east side, right across the street from Hale Park. And he wanted to talk. And um, he wanted to talk about surrender. So we talked about surrender, and we talked about... Um, where my life was and where my life was headed and where my life was going. And my life, I was either headed to death or prison. Um, that was the two things that we concluded that that's where I was headed. And uh, Steve asked me what, what he thought I needed to do or, or what he thought I meant surrender meant. And I asked him if, if this would ever go away, if I, ever, if I would ever want to stop doing it, because I didn't think I'd ever want to stop doing drugs. You know, I didn't think I'd ever be able to get out of this, this web. Um, I, just, I just wanted to stop, and I'm not... Um, and so I finally did surrender. I finally got evicted from my house. It didn't start right then and there that day, but... When God speaks to me, he speaks in little, he, he leaves me little, uh, little signs. And things gradually happen for me over a period of time. So on November 10th, 2019, um, I came to the altar my, and I, I checked myself into Salvation Army. I did not complete the program, but I did stay clean. I've been clean for two years. Um, and... The one thing, my main, my main, I guess, goal or point or whatever it is at all of this is that God is a God of the highs and the lows. He's a God of the valleys and the mountains. And he can reach down as far as, he, as you can go and he can pluck you up out of that. And thank God for the love of mother and the love of my family and the firm foundation that they have in Christ and my mom being able to win. Uh, my mom being willing to talk to people about it and be open about it because for years I thought that church was just somewhere that you came to be perfect. I thought church was somewhere that perfect people came to be perfect and do perfect things. And that was, I mean, that couldn't be farther from the truth. And just, I don't know what else to say, but thank God for her and for God. Mom, I want you to tell this part of the story because it's a powerful part of the story as God reached into Chio's life. Yeah, our family history, we were kind of like, we grew up in the Mayberry of Lodi. You know, Lodi doesn't seem like a scary, dark place. Um, Both my parents have been married, uh, no divorce in the family, strong roots in in the church and our faith. Um, We were really the Brady Bunch. And so I never thought something like this was going to touch our family. I had never fathomed it. popular kid, good-looking kid, funny kid. It was never going to touch him either because he wasn't the scary guy from the east side. Um, But it's going to happen to anyone regardless of how you grew up, where you live, um, or your zip code or your address. And um, it it took him away from us, uh, but it also brought us as a family to our knees and closer to God and stronger in our walk. Um, and in our faith. And part of that, like he said, was talking. My husband hates that I talk so much about everything, uh, but I just can't keep it in. And, and I feel like there's power in letting things out. And, you know, 
letting, giving God the glory. You know, I worked at a physical therapy office and people would ask me if I had kids and I'd say, yeah, I have two boys. One's doing great. The other one, not so good. Homeless meth addict in Lodi. Um, his name is Chio. If you see him, don't give him money. Um, I don't pay. <laughs> Uh, but it was talking to people and getting it out there. And I would say 100% of the time, everyone said, oh, I have a brother or a nephew or a son or a daughter or a cousin. Everybody's touched by this. And if you don't bring it out into the light, it can never get the attention it needs. You'll never meet other people, which brings me to Steve. I met Steve through um, getting involved in teen challenge. I figured if I can't help my son, maybe I can contribute and help others. Um, And Karen, she came into my physical therapy office one day and we had a conversation. Um, She asked me, this was 2017, he started his running in 2016, and um, she asked me to write his name on a piece of paper and give it to her because it was a strange name, so I did. And Now, fast forward here, they're in a Sunday school class together, and it's just the importance of networking and letting letting God work with with your mess. Um, So, with what he said, the surrender. I finally had to surrender because I tried for so long to fix him, um, and I realized that, well, if I could, I would have. It would have happened by now. So, I had to put him on the altar and walk away instead of picking him back up. Because I did it a hundred times, but just that last time, um, I didn't pick him back up and I gave him to God. And as far as being thankful, the thankful part is God gave him back to us better than before. Yeah. And so I wouldn't say I'm thankful for it, but I was thankful in it. Because um, I mean, who's like, thank you that my kid's a homeless meth addict. Um, but man, the strength we have now as a family And we get to give all the glory to God because Dr. Phil wasn't going to save him. Like I always was like, I got to write the show and get him on there. Um, I was always convicted like, no, God's better than Dr. Phil. (laughs) I was always reminded of that. So this is just, yeah, I am grateful. The friends I've made, the relationships, the teamwork we have and the people I've met, um, it's priceless. And I would not change my life for, for a minute in all of it. And Robin, you were vulnerable in that, and, and it's, but it's an incredible story because, Karen, then you just started praying for Chio every day. Yeah, I, I was in the um, physical therapy place where Robin worked, and um, I wouldn't say that the physical therapy helped, but n- none of the places have. That's just another sidebar. But I know now why I was there. It wasn't for that. And when she told me her struggle with her son, um, and his name, I said, could you write that down for me? And so she did on a blue sticky note. And I put it on my desk and I prayed for this faceless young man who was struggling. And the only face I had was the face of his mother. And, um, and I thought sometimes about going back over there and checking in with Robin. But I thought, what if it's not yet time? I don't want to break her heart again. But I, I should have because I told her I was still praying for him. So then... The church opens back up last spring, and we're in Steve's class, which starts out with prayer on a whiteboard. And this young man gives a prayer, and they write Chio. And I'm like, could it be? Could this be the same young man that I've prayed for since 2017? 
And I find out it is. And I have to say it was an incredible faith builder for me that not only to pray for those who I know and love and I have burdens for, but to pray for those who you don't know and just trust God with the, with the outcome. And I just praise God that, and I'm thankful that he let me see this one. Absolutely. So, Chio, I, I too came to know your name on a whiteboard before I ever met you. And then I got to meet you, and I said, this is the Chio we've been praying for. Chio, tell these guys how your life has changed. I know your life's not perfect. My life's not perfect. We're not trying to pretend like it is. But God's done some stuff. Uh, man, I'm blessed today to be back with my family. And I'm blessed to have the tools to deal with the things that I wasn't able to deal with before. And I'm blessed to have um, support to deal with those things like Steve or Karen or my mom. Now that I know I can come, I, I can come to them with things and I can be supported by them and allow myself to be supported by them, I think. And to just be able to be part of a church family um, is, is invaluable to me. Multiple church families, really. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's... God bless. It, it, it has been a blessing to watch God work in your life and to change you, really, from the inside out. I've seen it happen. And, and what? Yeah? Yeah? Just one quick thing, if I may, because it's, there's an important piece of this. I know you guys are listening. But the ability to have the courage to tell on ourselves in situations like this is invaluable in the taking the first step of that surrender that Chio talked about. And so I want us to be encouraged as a church family. The enemy will whisper in our ears, do not talk about this. Do not tell anybody because of shame and guilt and all this other stuff that gets in the way. And may I suggest that is nothing but a tool and a lie of the enemy himself where God's grace lives in the places where we expose it in the light and the healing can begin. Praise God. Praise God for that. So be encouraged, please. Amen. Amen. Because the blessing is when a son comes home. And the blessing is when God heals. And so we, the only response we have to that is thankfulness. And I know you're thankful. I know you're grateful. I've seen it. I've heard it out of your own mouth. And so that's our response, too, when God does great things and blesses us. I want to point you to Psalm 100. It's a short little psalm in in God's songbook, but I want to show you this is the response when we are thankful. Shout with what, people? Shout with joy to the Lord of all the earth. Worship the Lord with what? Gladness. Come before him singing with Joy. joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. It continues and says, he made us and we are his. You belong to him, Chio. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues each generation, right? Hey, uh, we are thankful for what God has done. I'm going to ask you to do something maybe a little outside your comfort zone. Roll with me, people. This is the easiest assignment you'll get. I want you to turn to the people around you and just share with them one thing that God has blessed you with, one thing that you see God working in right now that you're grateful for, that you're blessed to be a part of. Would you just turn? It'll take about one minute. Blessings that you're thankful for right now in your world. All right. Man, there's some great stories. Um, You know, uh, you can get a lot of blessed and thankful uh, stuff at Hobby Lobby. You know what you can't get? The stuff that says, I'm thankful even in the losses. I'm thankful even in the hard stuff. And so as much as we want to focus on uh, the blessings, and and we do want to focus on those, um, the Bible teaches us that we are to be people that give thanks in all circumstances. So how in the world do you do that? How in the world do you give thanks even in 
times of loss, even in times of difficulty. And so one of the things that we want to do this morning is we want to just acknowledge and kind of stare it in the face and be real with it that all of us have lost something these last couple of years. This has been a difficult time. It's been a difficult time for our nation, our community. It's been a difficult time for individuals. Some have lost, you know, big things like the life of a loved one. Some have lost income. Some have lost seasons of life, whatever it is, but we've all lost something. And so we want to be people that don't just give thanks in the blessings. We want to be able to, to be thankful even in the, the challenging times. And so I want to invite uh, Josh Young to come on up and then also Nicole, if you wouldn't mind coming up. Uh, Nicole, that'd be awesome. So... Um, all right, so this is Joshua Young. Joshua is a sophomore at Tokay High School and um, grew up in this church and just a, a thoughtful young man. So I asked if he would come and share not only some of his experience, but a little bit, maybe just on behalf of kind of high school students in general. And this is Nicole. Nicole is a teacher um, at a charter school up in Elk Grove. She's also Nicole Steele. So she is Steve's wife, which is a barrel of fun. And so... <laughs> I joked in the first service, he doesn't have an off button. It's all the time, people. And so, um, Nicole, we just love you so much. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for being willing um, to share. And so I, I have a couple questions just for both of them. And I thought you could just share a little bit about, as you think back over these last now almost two years, um, Joshua, as a, as a student, um, how would you describe kind of what those losses were like and what those losses were? So, Yeah, so... COVID started um, at the end of my eighth grade, eighth grade year. And so we were on our spring break, getting ready to go back. I was currently in Yosemite at the time. And I get the report of a new pandemic or a new virus going around, COVID. So, uh, so originally before break, we had done a crab feed to get ready to go to Washington, D.C. for my D.C. trip for, as an eighth grader. I was unfortunately not able to go after, you know, all the restrictions and everything was shut down. You guys have been planning that for a couple of years, and so right yeah. away it felt like, oh, come on. I'd done so many notes to get ready for that, and so that was kind of the beginning of, like, that was kind of taken away from me. Uh, fast forward a little bit, so now we're kind of in isolation. Um, we're doing online school, and for every single school, it was an adventure to figure out what the heck we were going to do with all these kids online, right? And so... Um, as online school happened, I learned absolutely nothing, and we went through eighth grade not learning anything. Start of a freshman. Your teacher was here last hour. He, I don't think he's here. Yeah. Last <laughs> so I started my freshman year online, and I mean, I would say that like things got better, but it was still the social aspect of school is like one of my only motivations. And I'd say like I'd like wake up in the morning, and there would be like. I'm like, I have no reason to get up right now. Like, the only reason I'm getting up is because my parents want me to. Like, I'm not learning anything. I'm not enjoying this. Like, I'm so tired. Like, and I just say, like, I, honestly, like, I guess a good word for it is, like, I was, like, in a depression of just, like, I don't have motivation anymore. And with that came, obviously, the plummet of my grades because I don't want to do work. I don't want to learn. I don't want to do any of this, right? So it's, like, all these things were just, like, COVID kind of just affected, like, every single part of me. And even my friends were quarantining, so I couldn't hang out with them. So it was all, all this like, online stuff, and I wasn't dealing with that. Anyway, end of freshman year, we were finally able to go back. But only a certain, like, only a few people went back. Like, one-third of the kids went back. And that was, like, 
I was still missing a huge portion of my friend group. And again, the mask and having to like social distance was just like such a struggle for, I mean, I'd say the whole school, but especially for me. So as that went along, I, I went to school and going in person for the first time after being at a private middle school, an extremely small private middle school, um, I was introduced to like the brokenness of this world. So like, I'm like, because it was a Christian private school, I wasn't really exposed to what this world was like. And so as I walked onto campus that first day, I was just thinking in my head, like, oh my gosh, like this world needs Jesus, right? So I went home that day and I talked to my mom and I was like, like it just breaks my heart. Like I hate to see these kids in like the place that they are because I don't want anybody to have to feel like that. So I talked to her and I guess this is just Jesus, but he gave me a heart just for those, especially my age, but always just kind of just like broken. And so as time went on, a lot of my friends, one of my friends tried to commit suicide. Luckily, she failed. But, like, she tried committing suicide and then tried again. And it was like, God, like, I need you to work, right? And so all these different, like, components were just like, you see the brokenness in this world. So I lost, I sadly, I did lose one of my friends, uh, Taylor. So I lost my friend Taylor, but uh, a lot of other things, like, like my socializing was taken away from me. A lot of my friendships ended because I just wasn't able to be in contact with them and like my educational. So Joshua, if you don't know, I mean, if you can't pick it up, he's a pretty social guy uh, to begin with. And so the quarantine was difficult on you um, and you felt some of that depression, but then you come back and, and everybody's feeling it. Everybody's, you know, things just aren't right. And so, you know, we we suffered with so many people through the loss, but man, do we struggle with our students through the loss. Nicole, tell us a little bit about the last couple of years for you. Um, Well, right when um, the pandemic hit, um, we lost my mom, and uh, I thought it was going to be easier the second time. Yeah, it's not always easier the second service either. Um, So we lost my mom, and uh, Steve and I ended up I'm moving out of our house in Lodi and moving in with my dad. We lived with him for about a year and a half and uh, we're back in Lodi now, which is really nice. Um, but that, that whole year of uh, walking with him through his grief. Yeah, yeah so he was grieving the loss of, of his wife of many, many years and losing your dad and, and then you had all this on top of it. And it just yeah. was a lot. Yeah. It, um, I, I teach. I teach at a charter school, and so we immediately went online. I can definitely identify with um, watching my students um, feel the loss of services and support and just that constant help that we can give um, when we're on campus with our kids, you know. And, and that was gone, and there were so many kids who truly suffered and I watched students suffer with suicide and depression Um, and now that we're back I'm watching them suffer with anxiety and because now they're having to readjust and that adjustment is real you know as they try and figure that part out so that's been that's been really difficult too yeah How, how have you been able to remain thankful and grateful in the midst of all this because it's been a hard time for so many people Joshua how how have you found that as you've looked at the world around you and, and even your situation? Yeah, so I kind of started talking about this earlier, which I was on accident. But so as God has given me a heart to see other people, um, 
one, it makes me so grateful for the fact that, like, God loves me as much as he does. Because, like, I, I have, through this entire time, yes, I felt sad, but I've never felt, like, a disconnection from God. And so, as I felt connected to him, I feel like I need to reach out to others. And so, um, ways that I felt grateful, right? Uh, ways that, like, I see that, like, how much God loves me, right? So it's like, I see all these people that are broken, and God loves everybody the same, but especially I know God loves me so much. And so he was able to, you know, kind of watch over. Maybe a little more. We'll see. I'll ask him. I'll ask him later. <laughs> right. And so uh, that I was able to stay grateful. I definitely was like, um, God provided friends for me. So from first service, Hannah Larson was, had a huge impact on me, and we'd hang out almost every night, and we would... Um, we would lay under the stars or go to our treehouse or go get dinner. And we'll just like kind of like break down everything that's happening. So she was like my little therapist. So like we just talk about everything that was going on and like what struggles we had and like what we saw at school. And our observations were a lot, very similar because all kids were going through this. So I'd always say God providing a friend like Hannah for me was like so amazing. And like first just how much he loves me was just like that I can identify how much he loves me. Because I know like he does things for us and it's like, oh, I like. You don't really see it as that, but like every moment, I'd be like, "Man, like he loves me so much," and I can identify that. Yeah. You talked in the first service, Joshua, about almost feeling like God was holding your hand as you walked on campus or something like that. Yeah, that was powerful. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. And cool. Nick, I know this has been a hard couple of years. How how have you stayed positive and grateful and thankful during that time? So, something that um, we started doing at my school probably it's been over ten years, but. Um, we do something with my students called Good Things, and we start every class and um, every staff meeting with the staff, um, and we share something good, and we talk about how important it is to, to have something like that when you start your day, when you start um, time together with other people, and just talk about the, the things that we have to be thankful for. And, and so um, I do that with my students, and my students will talk about, you know, just that that's something that they love when they come to my school. They love that they get to walk in and share something good and share something that's positive. So that's, that's been really helpful. And it's also helpful to have a horse. <laughs> you, that's a therapy horse, that's, right? That's my therapy. <laughs> yeah, they're more, they're more expensive than a therapy friend, Josh, it's in true. case you didn't know. Right. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me some of those good things. What is, what is a good thing God is doing right now? Oh, I mean... One the friend, one of my friends that tried committing suicide, she's on a way better path now, which I'm so grateful for. And so she's doing a lot better, which obviously makes me so happy. Um, I just see in school, like, he's given me the strength to be able to reach out to people that I'd never think I'd be able to reach out to. And I know a lot of people are, there, there's a community at school that specifically kind of hates the ideology of the Christians. And it's like, having the strength to kind of reach out to them and, like, explain, like, who we really are and, like, how much, like, God loves them. Like, that's something I'd never think I was able to do. But it's, like, I've been able to have the strength to do that only through God, of course. Yeah, but, yeah. grateful for that. How about for you? What are you grateful for? My three girls sitting here. I love that. I love when they're here in church sitting with me. <laughs> yeah. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And him. <laughs> I feel like I had to remind you yeah, about yeah, that yeah, in the, the earlier. Fishing for it, huh? Yeah. So, By well, the way, you're you. kind of cute. What are you doing after? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we, um, let's appreciate them for sharing so much, you guys. Thank you. Gosh, thanks, Nicole. Awesome.
You know, we take time to share those things, not, not to, to wallow in them, not to, you know, be divisive about all the this and that for this last uh, 18 months of, of things that we've gone through, but rather to say, as a community, we bring the goods and the bads, we share them together, we deal with them, and we say, God, you're in those things. God, you're in the, the good things and you're in the hard things. He is there with us. And so um, I want to invite the choir is going to come forward and, and sing our closing song. Um, and as they're coming forward, in your message notes, that little paper you got when you came in, um, there's a little box that it says uh, um, uh, uh, something about uh, how can I be, or what are some of the losses that I've experienced um, over this last year? Um, and just to put some names to those. And then how can I even experience Christ even in those losses. So if you want to, just in, in, take a moment right now and, uh, and kind of reflect on that, and then our choir will close us out. Amen, amen. Well, thanks so much for being here today for our Thanksgiving service. I hope you're ready not only for Thanksgiving Day this week, um, but as we talked about, a lifestyle of gratitude through the ups and the downs. God is with us. And as a church family, we want to be committed um, to that because as we recognize those things, that allows us to be a blessing in this world. Um, Hey, we're really excited. Next week, we're going to begin our Advent um, series. One of the things we're going to be talking about is what we call our Advent conspiracy, where we say we want to look beyond ourselves and with the heart of Jesus, make a difference in this community. Um, And as a church, we're going to be tackling uh, this issue of uh, a mental health crisis for especially our students. And we've got some really exciting and powerful ways um, that as a church, we're going to say, not our kids. We're going to we're going to go after this. So um, thank you so much uh, for being here today. A couple reminders as you go. If you know a family or someone that is in need of a Thanksgiving basket, we do have, I guess, just a couple extras. So if you want to grab one of those, um, stop by out there. Um, also, if you're visiting with us today, we've got what we call our little five-minute party. I'd love to just say a quick hello, uh, Pastor Steve and myself. Um, we're right to the left of the fireplace out there. Um, and then also tonight, we have our business meeting. Great stuff happening. We'd love for you to come on out at five o'clock and, and kind of hear some of the things that are going on behind the scenes um, with the church. We'd love to, to have you here. That's always a really fun time. Um, but for now, let me dismiss us with the word of prayer and ask God's blessing as we go. God, thank you so much that you've drawn us together. Father, we want to be people that enter your gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and our, your courts with praise. And now, Lord, as we go into this world, Lord, not only fill us with the thanksgiving, but Lord, fill us with your heart to see a world in need and to share your love and your goodness and your light in a dark and a hurting world. Father, we are your people. We are a grateful people. Give us that spirit of gratitude as we go. And we pray this in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, God bless you and have a great day.